This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. I have been challenged greatly of late about the way that I read the Bible. Um, Maybe that's not even the best way to say that. Maybe I should say the lens I use when I read it. You know how some people like to read the end of a book at the beginning or, or want to watch the end of a movie before they watch the rest of it so that when they see everything that unfolds, they already know um, what the whole story is about. I feel like often when I have read the Bible, it has been in a very similar way. But instead of reading it to see what the Holy Spirit may reveal to me, I kind of read it as though I already know what it means. So it really just solidifies what I already think I believe or know. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think it's important to know the Word of God, but I also feel like when we approach it, the point should not just be to rehearse what we already think we know, but to encounter new dimensions of who Jesus is and how he operates. And that requires me to sit with some of the more difficult parts of Scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to challenge me. I'm talking about the ones that I've either skipped over altogether or just aligned with an image of the Jesus that fits my theology. And while that may comfort me in some ways by allowing me to have answers to difficult questions, it also limits me because it limits how I allow God to reveal himself to me. Like, I've noticed that particularly when things are difficult, uncomfortable, or unfavorable, the first thought is usually, this must be the devil. But I know that is not always the case. There are times when God orchestrates or allows things to happen in my life that I would certainly not choose for myself that clearly fulfill his purpose, although I rarely see that on the front end. And that's what made me think about all of this. I recently took a very long trip and I was quite unexpectedly delayed um, before I returned home. Trust me, there's a whole lengthy story that goes with this. But the bottom line is my delay caused me to miss two events that had already been planned. And it cost me about a thousand dollars that I was not prepared to spend. And while initially I was quite annoyed, I instantly knew the whole thing had been orchestrated by God. And before I even made it home, One of the main results from my delay was evidenced by a very critical and key connection with somebody that I was not even looking for, who has a really important part to play in the next letter of my journey. And that's just one of the things that took place. But it made me think about some stories in the Bible that God himself either orchestrated or allowed for the sole purpose of bringing him glory. And they're challenging. 
They just are. At least they are to me. One is John 9. It's probably one of my favorite scriptures. I mean, I even talk about it in the book that I wrote. In fact, that passage of scripture in John 9 was what birthed the whole living out loud for me. It's the story of the man who was born blind. In verse 5, after Jesus encounters the man, he spits on the ground and makes a mud pie. Let's not even discuss how disgusting that is. Um, But he smears this mud on this guy's eyes and tells him to wash it off. Then by verse 7, this same guy is able to see. So much to unpack in this story. But the part that I want you to see is in verses 2 and 3. It says this, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? In other words, there had to be something wrong. But Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Think about that. This man is born blind, relegated to a place of begging just to survive, all for the purpose of God being glorified through his life. Let me give you another one. The story of Lazarus. Two more chapters over, John 11. Lazarus, who the Bible says Jesus loves, okay? He gets sick and his sisters send word to him so that he would come and heal him. When Jesus gets the news, he waits two days before he even begins the journey to get to him. And it was a two-day trip just to get there. So by the time he gets to where Lazarus lived in Bethany, he had been dead and was in the tomb for four days. Now his sister Martha, when he hears, she hears that Jesus is coming, runs out to meet him as he's on the way. And in verse 21, she says, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. And in verse 37, some of the Jews who were there who were aware, obviously, that Jesus had just healed that blind man, said, could this man who opened the eyes of the blind man not have also kept this man from dying? Of course, we get to the end of the story. He goes to the tomb. Lazarus is in there, sure enough, dead and stinking, okay? Then he calls to him, and he gets up, and he walks out alive. But here's what I want you to see in verse 4. After Jesus got word from the sisters that Lazarus was sick, it says this. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not meant for death, but it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified by it. Okay, one more. Since it's Easter, let's just talk about one more. Jesus confined himself to the to just the most low humble position ever decaying human flesh and Paul talks about it in Philippians 2 I think it's one of the best stories he obediently suffers a horrible violent death on the cross not only so that he would be exalted but that he would receive a name That was above every other name. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow 
of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, yeah. Listen, I am not saying that every difficult and unpleasant thing we go through is orchestrated by God. Some things really are attacks from Satan. And some things are just the consequences of our own choices and sins. That's why keeping short accounts is probably one of the most important things we should ever do. What do I mean by that? Be quick to repent, quick to obey, quick to forgive. To me, you've heard me say before, those really are the cornerstones of a surrendered life. And when that that right there is our posture in our relationship with God, even when there are difficult circumstances that we have to contend with, there can be an assurance of what happens after it. So yes, that nameless guy in John 9 had to endure years of blindness and suffering. But when he received his sight, there was glory after it. And yes, Lazarus had to endure an illness that even led to him experiencing physical death but once Jesus called out to him in that tomb and he got up, there was glory after it. And yes, Jesus chose to suffer a brutal, humiliating death that he did not in any way deserve. But after his precious blood was shed and he got up from that grave, there was glory after it. Now listen, you know there's no formula that will tell us exactly what we will face in life and how it will end or how it will shape up. But we can know for sure that a surrendered life will always bring glory to God. So no matter what you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, you need to start making some declarations over your own life and your own family. So it's okay to say, this is challenging. This is unpleasant. This is difficult. This is whatever it feels like to you. But then you need to say, but my life is not my own. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And there will be glory after this. And there is no need to wait till you get through on the other side. You can tell of his goodness and give him glory right now and do that boldly out loud.